Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Luann Loveday. Before I get to Luann, have a few announcements to make. And of course, we're talking about the website. That's TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there. Get all your Travel Tales Podcast needs. What those needs are, I have no idea. But whatever you get out of it, that's cool. I can tell you what's there. And that is uh, some stories that I've written, some stories some of the guests have written. Uh, there are photos of our guests. There are links to their websites and social media and links to our social media. And that is, of course, Instagram, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Facebook. There's a link to our Facebook page where we're Travel Tales Podcast and Twitter where we're Travel Tales Pod. And also my personal stuff. Uh, for comedy and show business and everything like that is funnymike.com and funnymike on Twitter. You can follow me on that stuff. There are also links to iTunes and Stitcher Radio where you can subscribe to this show for free. And if you are on iTunes, I ask you again, please give us a good rating. That helps people find the show and uh, boost our presence there. And that's a cool thing. So if you can do that, I would appreciate it. If you want to write me, it's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Well, I am back in America, folks, back home after seven weeks in Europe, which actually turned out to be my second longest trip away ever. I did three months in 2011, as some of you may recall from way back when. And this one was seven weeks in Europe, which passed by one week, my first trip ever out of the country after I graduated from college and backpacked around Europe for six weeks. So now I've passed it. This is, uh, it was it was quite a trip, and I can tell you in a nutshell where I went. I started out with one week in London, a week again in Italy, going to Bologna and Milan, and then two weeks in the Greek islands and Athens. Athens was only two days, but it was turned out to be two, two weeks in the Greek islands, and then a few days in Dresden, Germany, followed by a week in Portugal, where I spent a couple nights in Lisbon, and then five days down in the Algarve coast, which is gorgeous. Back to London for a few days and then off to Croatia where I did a press trip, a media trip to a little island called Lojin, which uh, fell into my lap while I was there through our our friend uh, Ashley Colburn, former guest of the show, hooked me up with a a media trip to Lojin. And I did a couple podcasts or recorded a couple podcasts, I should say, while I was there. And you'll be hearing those in uh, the coming weeks. But while I was away, boy, you guys were busy back here in America. Seems as I missed a lot. I left the last week of August and returned on October 12th. And in that time, I missed three major hurricanes, massive flooding and destruction in all those places in uh, Houston, in Florida, in Puerto Rico, and throughout the Caribbean. I missed some of the worst wildfires in California history, not only, of course, in Northern California, where Napa and and uh, Santa Rosa and all those places just really suffered immense 
immense devastation, but uh, also in Southern California. I had friends affected by this uh, massive fire in Burbank and everything else. I also miss the worst mass shooting in U.S. history. You know, this gets to be a, a all-too-common thing. And I say worst mass shooting in U.S. history, and when I say that, I mean for now, because, uh, you know, this is a trend that seems to be getting worse and worse. And when you're overseas and things like this happen, as the resident American around, people want to ask you, Mike, what the hell's going on over there? And I've always said there's two things that I can't explain to people overseas that they always ask me about, even the ones that love America, and that's our healthcare system and the guns. They can't figure it out. It makes no sense to them. And quite honestly, it doesn't make any sense to me anymore. Not that it ever really made sense, but we just accepted it living here, that that's the way it always is. That sometimes uh, people are just going to get mowed down by some nut with a gun, and sometimes you're just going to die because you can't get health care, or you're going to go broke. And either way, I can tell you this, the richest country in the world doesn't have to live this way. We don't. No place is perfect, I've found. As much as I love Europe, as much as I love Asia, as anywhere I go around the world... Every place has its good and bad, but these are two glaring things and correctable things that we could fix in this country, and we don't. And there are many other uh, podcasts, and many of <laughs> hosted by my friends, that will tell you one way or the other how we can fix things, and uh, you can go listen to them. I know this is not a political thing, but uh, this is a human thing, and uh, we just seem to not care as much about each other. And it's sad. So with all this going on, and with our current president, who I couldn't find one supporter of anyone I met in Europe who was a fan, who uh, didn't think he was uh, at the least uh, a joke, but at worst very frightening and in a danger to their country as well, I couldn't find one guy who supported Trump. <laughs> and this was traveling amongst our allies. Uh, so this is uh, these are... Scary times. And while I was gone, he was uh, going on uh, TV joking about uh, starting a nuclear war. And so when people are asking me, Mike, are you excited to come back home? Well, <laughs> not, not really. I mean, of course, I miss my friends. I miss sleeping in my own bed. And it did get a little exhausting, uh, again, moving every few days. I know this was the same thing that exhausted me on my three-month trip, it wasn't being gone that bothered me. It was just the constant moving. It does wear on you after a while. But being out of the country, nope, didn't miss it that much. I left because America and I needed a little bit of a break. And uh, it was good for me. Every place I went was amazing. I got to reconnect with many friends who I hadn't seen in a long time. I got to make new friends, which was great. And that was the best part about traveling, reconnecting with people, seeing other ways to live, and experiencing new things. I also ate an amazing amount of good food. And while I was gone, I did manage to record a few podcasts. One was with our guest today, Luann Loveday. Let me paint the scenario for you. I was traveling by myself, going from Greek island to Greek island. I'd started out in Santorini, which is very popular and uh, a lot more expensive, than all the other Greek islands. I went to Santorini and then went to Eos, Paros, Naxos, and then finished in Mykonos. So if you've heard of any Greek islands, usually it's Santorini and Mykonos, and you have to see those, I guess. And they're 
lovely, but um, I kind of like the smaller, more chill islands, one of which was Peros. And Peros, spelled P-A-R-O-S, was situated in between Santorini and Mykonos, and it's kind of a big ferry stop hub. And a lot of people don't stay there very long. So here I am, I show up there, I booked a hotel through, I think, Hotels.com, and lo and behold, the woman from the hotel picking me up at the uh, port is American. And she owns a hotel in Paros called La Cellini, L-A-S-E-L-I-N-I. She was super helpful, and I really wanted to know her story. So she was nice enough to sit down with me one night in the lobby of her hotel and tell me her story of how a Texas gal ends up running a small hotel on the island of Paros, Greece. So I want to thank Luann Loveday one more time for sitting down with me and for running a great business and for being a wonderful, wonderful host in Greece. And if you ever make your way to Paros, Greece, stay at her hotel. She'll take great care of you. Please enjoy my conversation with Luann Loveday. So, Luann, how does a nice Texas gal get to uh, run a hotel in Paros, Greece? Give me the short version of how you ended up here. Well, I came on a vacation. I had moved to Canada 30 years ago from my little town of El Paso, Texas. It's not that little. Yeah, not little anymore. (laughs) So I had moved to Vancouver, and uh, my husband always promised to take me on a Greek trip, and he never took me, so I went myself. (laughs) And I was sitting one day in Mykonos all by myself on this beach, Um, And I realized the question, what do I want to do with my future when I have lots of time on my hands? And I realized that I would love to travel Europe. So I figured if I wanted to have a lot of freedom to travel Europe, then I would start a business. When I was in Greece for a whole month, I would walk around I would look at all the little villages and the little alleys and I would see all the grandparents or young people or really old people renting rooms. And I thought to myself, "Ah, I'm a dental hygienist, but I could do that too. Well, I was just going to ask you what your uh, former life was. You were a dental hygienist. What what kind of work was your husband in? He was a tax lawyer. Okay, so was he up for the move or not? Well, it wasn't about moving us from Canada to here. It was about creating a retirement project, but not even retirement. I'm too young for retirement. (laughs) But I wanted to create a way to create money to spend it playfully in Europe. And so I set out to start a business. What happened after you start a business in Greece is you soon realize that you can't leave your business to be run by other people that you don't really know. So I had to quit my um, professional life and live away from my family for six months at a time to run my hotel. And now I've been here 10 years. So, okay, well, let's go back a little further. From El Paso, you went to Canada. Yes. What part of Canada? I first moved to Edmonton, and then I settled in Vancouver, Canada. Now, was this for a guy, or did you just were tired of Texas and America? 
Or work. What was it? Were you running away from the law? Is that what it was? You were dodging the draft? I don't know what was happening. <laughs> no. I you don't that... have to get too personal. But... <laughs> well, you know what was exciting about that is that I was married to a national Arabian horse trainer. Oh, okay. And um, at that time, he was becoming recognized for his skills, and he ended up with a job in Canada. So what took me to Canada was his profession. You know, Calgary is like horse country up out around there, right? That's right. Yeah. Calgary okay. is horse country, and the Arabian business was really hot 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, okay, so now uh, you go to Greece. Uh, why? I see, I see expats all over the world. Why uh, not only Greece as opposed to, say, Spain or Italy or something like that? And why Paros and not, well, Mykonos or Santorini or something like that? Well, I really wanted Mykonos. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's my favorite island, really. Ten years ago when I was looking, Mykonos seemed to speak to me the most. It had a nice blend of energy, cosmopolitan flair, beautiful beaches, and really nice, eclectic group of people. Um, But when I started to look around, I came 10 times in three years doing my homework. And um, unfortunately, I was looking right at the peak of all the prices. And I couldn't find what I was looking for in Mykonos or Santorini. Was this like 06, 07? Yes, it was. Yeah, that's when I bought my house, like a genius. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we know how that turned out. Yes. Uh, so, you got, you, so you got here right before the crash. Then. Right before the crisis in Greece and right before the, the crisis crash. crisis in the world everywhere. In the world, yes, yeah. the real estate crisis in the world. And Greece is feeling it particularly hard. So, um, well, let's go back. So, so Mykonos was kind of out of your range. And what was it about Paris that you really liked? Well, Paros for me had a nice blend of the traditional Greek culture. That was the thing that when I uh, looked at why I was inspired about Greece, it was the traditional Greek culture. Um, It wasn't the real big eclectic cosmopolitan life. It was the Greek culture. So then Paros spoke to me. Plus, it was only a short 50-minute ferry trip to Mykonos. And it was in the middle of the Cyclotic Island, so it's the transfer island between all the islands. So it seemed like the right place to start a new hotel. So you get here in um, 2006, 2007. 2008 was when I purchased my hotel. Okay. Was it a hotel before this, or did you have to like completely redo it, and, or, or did it need a lot of work, or what was it? Well, it was already an existing property. It was being run like a backpacker's inn. And I gave it a facelift. (laughs) And I uh, gave it an island flair, which would appeal to couples and um, older single travelers. And um, what are you saying? (laughs) What are you? (laughs) I don't know what you're implying, but go ahead. Well, when I was traveling, (laughs) when I was traveling, I noticed that there was a lot of singles. Of all ages. Yeah, and I'm past, like, I can't stay in a youth hostel anymore. And so, but you don't want to go into, like, a, I don't need a big fancy hotel. So this is, uh, it's lovely. It's clean. It's, it's nice. And uh, 
and you're here. So that's, that's made it very easy. So is, was that like uh, that market, that was your target? That- it was my target, and now I'm one of those as well. <laughs> um, my, unfortunately, my um, marriage has terminated. It's not significant, um, and I enjoy my life in Greece a whole lot. So I live six months here and six months in Canada. So the market was an easy place for me to fit right in with couples that are exploring just like I was in the beginning now to singles of all ages, uh, recent graduates from university all the way up to 87-year-old singles. So what's the population of Paros, and uh, what is it in the winter? So I'm guessing around mid-October or after October, you shut this whole place down. The hotel um, closes at the end of October, and there's uh, rumored to only be 12,000 residents on the island during the winter. (laughs) And in the summer, what is it? Um, It can grow up to... 30,000 tourists on top of that. Wow. Okay. Or more at any given time. And the, and the seasonal help that's working in the bars and the restaurants and everything else and the yeah. hotels too. Yeah. So most of even the employees or tourist industry service workers all come from off of Paros and come here for that six months. Wow. So uh, a lot of people talk about doing what you're doing, like, you know, screw it, I'm going to go open a hotel somewhere beautiful. And you actually did it, but a lot of people have fear about it because I think maybe the language is a big deal. Were you ever intimidated by that? And have you ever, uh, how was your Greek skills now, after 10 years? Well, I only took 10 one-hour lessons (laughs) before I came to Greece. And now I can speak and understand the Greek language enough to run my business with not any help. But if I really want to forward any conversation, I usually get some input. (laughs) Um, It wasn't a huge uh, scary thing because I'm a independent um, moving forward kind of woman. And all I needed to do was just pull up my bootstraps and start my conversations and I soon realized that communication was the key to everything. Mm-hmm. All I needed to do was communicate my vision and communicate to the right people, like the banks and the, the booking companies, and life starts. You know, the Greeks have a, a reputation, and certainly in the Euro, of uh, maybe not being the, <laughs> the, I don't know how to put this, the, maybe the best business people. What are the biggest, coming from America and Canada, what are the biggest uh, hurdles you found in dealing with uh, Greece in terms of business and property and everything else? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that Greeks are really, really good business people. They know exactly what they're doing and how they're doing it. They just don't like for it to be all over the newspaper, <laughs> how they do it. Okay. So they're very successful. Yeah. Um, what's, the, the big, what's the biggest difference you've had to deal with? The structure, the, how do you say it? The business structure or the infrastructure of... Like contracts and zoning and things like that? Contracts, zoning. Banks. uh, In banks, (laughs) employee, uh, 
Is a lot of it done under the table? Like, like it's not on the books? I mean, is that, I don't know. I mean, that seems to be common in most. And it's like cash, like a lot of cash business. It's a cash business because it was just easier for everybody to do it that way. And they've been doing that for generations and generations. And that came from the pirating that was always occurring in their Greek culture for centuries. So it's a natural way of living. So I soon realized that um, they live inside of a different world than the North American people or the EU that they wanted to join. So at the moment that they joined the EU, then there was some infrastructure challenges. Right. I mean, well, now that after everything crashed... The Greeks and the Italians and the Portuguese and stuff, they took a lot of the heat for it. Um, There's been austerity measures and things like that. What has changed since the crash, since you've been here? Well, the austerity measures have really forced people to take a lot of what was undisclosed or unshared and has turned it into a more... Um, disclosed position. There's resistance. There's irritation. There's a lot more taxation uh, that people have to live with, and they're not happy about that. So the biggest challenge is that those people that have their money visible, say pensioners or people that have been inside of a particular system for whatever reason, they're the ones that are getting um, cutbacks, because how can you cut back on money that's not seen? Right, right. Well, let's get back to the hotel. And how many rooms do you have in the hotel? I have 17 rooms and studios. Okay. Studios, that whole, meaning they have like a kitchen and things like that. Yeah. Studios with little kitchens. And um, some of my rooms are two people, three people, and four people. What's the typical guest here at your hotel? And first of all, say the name, La Salini. La Salini. La Salini. Salini. And what does it mean? Well, La stands for Luan. Well, yeah. Okay. And then Salini is an old Greek word meaning moon. Okay. Moon. The moon. So Luan's moon. That's right. But one of the <laughs> that things... That could be dirty in a way, actually. <laughs> Luan's moon. That's right. I never thought of that. Um, but when I was in Greece, one of the favorite pictures that always stays inside of my brain is when there's a moon that shines across the ocean. The Aegean Sea um, with the small little hills with the Greek villages and the moon, the way it shines the reflection on the top of the ocean. That's why I picked the, the name. <laughs> so are most of the guests uh, European or American-Canadian? Most of the guests have been European, but they come in zones. Like there's a zone when the Australian traveler is here. There's a zone when the French people are here. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of French right now. Yeah. Yeah, we have more French people this year in July and August than normal. Um, the French would travel uh, usually in the um, the high seasons to middle season, but this year they traveled more in the peak season. Um, we've had a lot of Canadians and American travelers this year. 
because I think that Greek uh, tourism has become uh, more popular and more affordable with the airlines. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's talk about that. For people who want to come to the Greece, Greek islands, and this is my first trip to the Greek islands, and I've heard so much about it, and we all hear about Mykonos and Santorini, and it wasn't until I studied up on the islands that I heard about this one, Paros, and I'm going to Naxos tomorrow. I went to Eos as well, and then uh, Mykonos. But other than Santorini and Mykonos, and of course this one, Paros, tell uh, people where they should go that maybe they haven't read about. What's like insider tip you can give people? Well, first of all... Um, Aside from staying at your lovely hotel. <laughs> yes, Los Salinas is always <laughs> the best place. But the, the point that I'd like to make about traveling is many people try this year, especially this year, more than the last 10 years, have done two and three day island hopping trips. The only discount about that is they don't really get to feel the culture of each island. So there's so many different places that have a, their own traditional foods, their own traditional songs, their own traditional kinds of things. So they're missing out on that. So first of all, Crete is very, very special. Well, I save that one for a completely separate trip because it's so big and it's like you said it's different right yes. isn't it yes it has uh, a wide variety of um cultural and tourism parts of greece that are um mainstay of greece i guess is the best way the other thing is rhodos rhodos mm-hmm. was very interesting because it had a mixture it had um a jewish synagogue with a Muslim um, temple and Greek Orthodox all on different parts of the island. And even a big castle where the knights um, used to come. And it's a really old, old building. And so it's a spectacular place to visit. Um, it opened my eyes to many, many different cultures all at one, one step. Now, we're in the, I guess, Cyclades? Is it Cyclades? I've heard them say Cyclades. Well, the proper um, saying is Cyclades okay. in the Greek pronunciation. Otherwise, um, it's called the Cyclades mm-hmm. or the Cyclades. <laughs> Cyclades. Uh, Cyclades, it sounds very American butchered. <laughs> um, but then there's also the, like, was it the Dodecan, Dodecanese? The Dodecanese. Dodecanese, okay. And Dodecanese. Then, and then there's over in the West Ionian. Corfu is and yes. all that. Yes, the Ionian. There's so many islands. I mean, you could you could spend years and not see all of them here. Yes, it's rumored there's 1,000 islands. Oh God, and all with amazing history. I mean, you're talking thousands of years yes. of history. Is yes. that uh, one of the reasons that drew you to the Greek islands? Was the history <sighs> definitely when and you know I was in Santorini in 2005 when they were doing the digs, the original excavations. And I was there before the scaffolding caved in. I was as close to fresh unearthed urns as I am to you right now. And that was inspiring. I was, I, you know, there's one thing to learn about BC before Christ. And then there's another moment when you realize there really were 
people who lived before that timeline called BC. Yeah. And at that moment, I realized that I was nothing more than just a speck of dirt in this big, huge universe, and I better get started exploring myself. Yeah, it's humbling, isn't it? It was so humbling, I was moved to tears. Oh, wow. Um, so, uh, aside from trying to see too much in too little of a time, what's another uh, mistake that tourists make when they come to Greece, you think? Hmm. Do they eat the wrong things? No. Do they not figure out the ferries? Or do they try to fly? I think that um, being afraid to talk to people or just explore. Um, some people, they come with their um, calendars already written and the tourist books already open and going to go just to the places that are normally talked about. The, I traveled the first time with some people that just said, put that book away, you're going the way we do it. And I found places that I never would have ever found in a tourist book or ever would have seen unless I just took my little backpack for the day and just walked down the street or just started exploring. And um, it was magical. And so because of that, it's really special to just jump on a ferry whenever you feel like it or when the next one's coming, and just go to one of the small islands like Sifnos, Sikinos, Amargos. Amargos has a monastery on the side of a mountain. Now, just imagine what it was like for those monks to build <laughs> on the side of a mountain. I don't think it would have lasted. I don't think it's, my, it's not for me. No. But, <laughs> but there's monasteries all over. Whenever I see a giant building at the top of a hill in any of these islands, I think, oh, that's probably a monastery. It usually is. What a lonely life. But, boy, do they have great views. (laughs) They have great views. (laughs) Are they still being used, some of them? Are some of them still being used? Oh, yes. They're all being used. There's residents there. Uh, Even Tinos. Uh, There's many, many um, pilgrim, pilgrim, I can't even say. Pilgrimages? Yeah, that's the word. Um, Where they will crawl up many, many, many steps just to pay homage to their humility, um, to their religion. And one of the things that was inspiring, I can really say that it was inspiring to uh, taste and feel the Greek Orthodox culture that exists here and to see as a country how much they really have uh, vitalized their life with their church nobody's perfect but they do um enjoy mixing their life with their church um i saw it a little bit in uh, chicago because there's a big greek community there um still the longest wedding i ever went to (laughs) oh my and i've been to a bunch of catholic weddings and this one topped it the greek orthodox was it was endless yeah um but what uh, what is it about the uh church here that like maybe it's different than say like what we know in the catholic church first of all uh in the research that i've done but i don't i'm not an expert by any means and i almost don't want to say anything because i don't want to spark a catholic orthodox (laughs) kind of thing but um the orthodox and the byzantian um religious times 
seem to um, have been there for very, very, very many years and centuries. And when you see buildings that are 1,500 years old, 2,000 years old, I'm not saying Greece is the only country with those kinds of structures, but when you see churches that have been built like that, um, it's extraordinary. And we're lucky in Paros because we have a church here, the Church of 100 Doors, um, was designed to copy the church, the original Hagia Sophia church in Constantinople. Istanbul for uh, modern times, yes. And I've been to that, the, the, the Haji, Hagia Sophia or whatever. Yes, I loved it. Yes. Really amazing. Yes. And that, that is the design that this church in Paros was built after was following that design. Those Byzantines got around. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, it, their churches are, are ornate, um, and they really do honor all the different kinds of icons and um, of their centuries. How did, how did the locals here take to uh, this American lady coming in and opening a hotel on their block? I mean, have they been pretty good to you? Well, it was challenging for them. You know, um, they like to be the original breadwinners, um, and they could only see this Canadesica Americana woman (laughs) come in and and take a piece. Um, They challenged me a lot, um, sometimes in unprofessional ways, and um, but all that did was make me grow stronger. So really, whatever doesn't kill you. That's right. So whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, <laughs> and it actually uh, trained me in the world of business in Greece very, very fast. And um, all I can do is thank them for that. And I got a lot of um, muscles <laughs> in the world of communication to where if I need to stand up, I'll throw them in the ocean if I have to throw them in the ocean for my business. Right. Uh, so you have uh, you'll, you'll shut this down at the end of October, and then what? I mean, you're going to go back to Canada, or do you? Um, that's a lot of time off. What, like five six months. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to travel a little bit too, or are you just going to like sit and relax? Well, remember, my original goal was to have a hotel that earned European dollars, so I could spend it traveling. But I have been working so hard for 10 years, I haven't gone anywhere. Oh, no. So this year I am going to um, give myself the gift of going to Portugal for two weeks. Lovely. I'm headed there soon. Uh, have you ever been? Never. Oh, never. good wine. Yeah, well, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, decent prices. Kind of like here. You know, it's, it's, one, of those, it's one of those countries that, uh, you, even though it's in Western Europe, it's a good bargain. It's a pretty good bargain. I think you'll like it. You're going to like it a lot. Um, so then you're going to go back to, uh, like, Calgary area? Well, my um, family originally is in the United States, so I go and visit my 87-year-old mom. Aww. <laughs> Today's her birthday, actually. No, really? Yeah. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> and um, so my mom is my uh, pillar in my life. So I go back and I stand beside her for a couple of weeks. She's or still a couple in El Paso? Months. 
Um, no, she moved to Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, okay. That's what they do. Yeah. Mine's in Florida. That's yeah. the other place they go. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So um, my um, town that I left, I w- have been living in Vancouver for the last 20 years. So I returned back to Vancouver. I love Vancouver. I do. I uh, used to do a lot of skiing. I don't do so much right now. Um, so maybe get back into skiing. But usually I do some temporary dental hygiene or I just travel in Canada and the United States. I just went to uh, Banff and Jasper not too long ago. It's so beautiful over there. Extraordinary. Yeah. I've been skiing in the Banff, Jasper, and Whistler area for the last 30 years of my life. So nice. So nice. What is, is there any, since you're so used to uh, living here and working here and being a part of this community... Is there anything that's like kind of a culture shock when you go back? Do you feel like weird? <laughs> it's a big culture shock when I go back. Um, first of all, I drive only about four or five kilometers in my life daily um, back and forth to the port. Um, totals <laughs> four or five kilometers only. And so then I have to expand my life back out to 50 minutes just to go anywhere 50 minutes it's like i'm already around my entire island in 50 minutes hey i live in la i'd like to get anywhere in 50 minutes believe (laughs) i know it's like that (laughs) and then also i have become very good at being more patient because um when the greeks tell you they'll come in the afternoon to us in uh, North America, that means somewhere between two and five. I mean, twelve and five. Here, that means like six to nine, <laughs> six o'clock at night to nine o'clock at night. And I'm I've become very very patient. So now, <laughs> things that used to bother me in the North America don't bother me so much anymore. Right. Uh, is there anything like uh, you miss, say, food wise or anything when you go back home? Is like a, a good Mexican food? <laughs> <laughs> I die for Mexican right? food. Right? That's yes. what every expat says they yeah. miss the most. Mexican food, but I've also, because of coming from Vancouver, I do miss um, Hockey. Chinese. Hockey. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Hockey. oh ho- great Chinese food yeah. in Vancouver. Great Chinese food. Yeah, yeah. So I miss all the Chinese food, too, but unfortunately. Uh, uh, Fortunately, we've had a really nice little restaurant open that called Little Green Rocket that is like Thai, Japanese, and I get my little fixes from there once a week. Or Is it in town week. here? It's about 200 meters from this hotel. Ooh, see, now you got the, now I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Hmm, is it open now? It's open now, yeah. yeah. It's good, though, because I'm a little, you know, I live in L.A., so I just, you know, I've been to Thailand, and just, it's, but I may need a fix. You're for right. being in Greece, it's great. I've already had 50 euros uh, <laughs> since two weeks. So, yeah, maybe I should. Yeah. Um, Try something new. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, like in a hotel here, what's the toughest part about running a hotel? Any hotel? The toughest part, I think, is um, for me just not speaking all the different languages. It's not a problem in general, because uh, guests are really awesome to communicate with. 
Um, and here in Greece, they pretty much, uh, English is the go-to language everywhere. Yeah. So even the French people are coming here, they have to speak English, mm-hmm. the Italians, same kind of yeah. thing. So we have a great advantage there. Yes. It's just Greek, which is a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that would be the, the toughest part. But the toughest part is um, adjusting to all the different cultures. You know, there's one way I have to be for the French, another way I have to be for the Germans, another way I get to be for the Norwegians or the Swedish, and then the Americans, Canadians, and Australians. I get to be a different actress for each one of them. <laughs> it's like a UN here. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like a UN. And I have to uh, learn to see what their cultural boundaries are and then provide to those cultural well, differences in terms of what in in boundaries i mean in like playing music loud or uh, food stuff or staying up late i mean what what kind of boundaries staying up late would be one right um because sometimes um if we have a mixture of tourists we may have those uh tourists that are coming from north america that aren't here to just party uh, till three, four, five o'clock in the morning, they are going to wake up in the morning and go touring the the museums, and they didn't want to stay awake till five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So um, those kinds of little boundaries do influence things. Um, you know, some people want to cook in their studios like some gourmet chef and then not clean up after themselves. Ah, right. You know, so thank goodness for good cleaning staff. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't want to do that. And I really do appreciate my cleaning staff have to do that. Well, let's do a fun hotel. Do you not have to name names or anything like that? What's the craziest, say, request somebody asked you for? The craziest request? Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's been the funniest request. Have you ever had to throw anybody out? Have you ever had to, like, evict somebody from your hotel? Yes, I had to throw out uh, four Greek guys that were in their 20s because, I mean, it's something we've all dreamed about doing, and they really did. (laughs) And they took the fire extinguisher in the hallway and sprayed their entire bedroom. Like, they were having fights with fire extinguishers. What is this, the who? What what are they doing? I don't know, but the entire room was like fire extinguisher dust. And um, that can be a little bit caustic. And so I had to throw them out immediately. Oh, gosh. What about things like uh, overflowing showers and, you know, every, every hotel owner has something. Yeah. Luckily for us in Greece, there's no overflowing showers because uh, there's not an excess water flow. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> so we oh. have small pipes and oh, uh, the, limited... uh, the toilet paper in the bin. Yes. It, no the North Americans to... got to be uh, That's talked right. into that That's a lot of right. times. That, that would probably be the funniest request I have of them <laughs> is to put your toilet paper in the bin, not in the toilet. <laughs> of every kind that you have goes in the side of the bin. And that was a big adjustment for me, too. Yeah. That was a big adjustment for me. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so, okay, about... Um, let's let's give a, a scenario, an itinerary of your people who say, I have uh, 10 days to see the Greek islands. Well, that's not a lot of time. But that's no. typical American stuff because they don't have a lot of time. So you got 10 days. What do I do? What would you recommend? I know it's not a lot of time, but that's eh, very typical. 
It's not a lot of time. Let's say two weeks. Let's give yeah. them two weeks. Well, two weeks. Um, first of all, the first question is you have to ask yourself what's important to you. Right. If you're into history, do you want to just party and sit in the sun? Or Yeah, okay. That's Let's say, it. okay. It's a little mix of both. A little mix of both. Well, first of all, they all have to see Santorini and Mykonos. You can't come to Greece without going to Santorini and Mykonos. One of the most exciting moments of my life is Santorini. When I, I sat on the edge of the cliff watching the sunset, and it felt like I really was on the edge of the world. <laughs> and I had my bottle of Greek wine and my little Greek cookies. And no matter how many hundreds of tourists I had around me, it was extraordinary. So I can never say, don't, don't visit Santorini. I can't say that. It's a beautiful place. But it is so crowded now, sometimes it won't feel so special. So find another time zone to do that. But Santorini, Mykonos... Um, and Paros and Naxos. Mm -hmm. You can't miss those, really, because they give you a nice blend of everything. You just named my entire itinerary. Yes, I did. See, I studied. So if we're going to do a different set of islands, say the Dodecanes. Dodecanes. Which ones would you recommend? Well, um, you could do the Mamma Mia Island, which is Scopolos, which is more northern. And, Is that um, by Lesbos and all that? Yeah, okay. do Lesbos, Skopelos, do all of those um, because they're very extraordinary islands as well. Uh, also, if you were to go up the west side of the Ionian Ocean. The Corfu and all that? Um, it's lower than that. Mm-hmm. It's much lower. Um, you know, Zakynthos and all of those islands that are around there. Very, very extraordinary beaches in Zakynthos. So, you know, you kind of uh, have to decide which section you want to do. Pick a section, and you should go to Greece every year into a new section. <laughs> um, is there a section now? Well, I've read about this before, you know, that with now that, that the refugees are ending up. Has that been a problem for tourism? And where would that be? That, I guess that would be more southeastern then, right? Well... It's, have they come to Crete? I mean, do they end up there? Well, they have. They have. But they usually go to... If you were to walk along the island of Lesbos, along the Mytilene kind of area, plus the other ones that are close, like Simi or Rhodos or Kos or some of mm-hmm. the others, um, I think that you will see... Uh, rubber dinghies or kind of lifeboats um, sometimes just all along the edge and um, how many people were in those I don't know but they come across the water and it only takes like 45 minutes to an hour on some of those islands to come over from those Mm -hmm. those sides wow so I'm going to Athens Athens when uh I leave the islands from Mykonos. Um, what can you tell people about Athens and what can you tell me about Athens that I have two days? Other than the Parthenon and the Acropolis, which I have to see, what else do I get to see? Um, the port of Piraeus is really cool. It's kind of like um, the industrial part or the... Um, it's big shipping port? 
it's like the cargo? it's the ferry and cargo yeah. area, the big shipping part. So you have all kinds of businesses around there. Um, there, but there's some traditional parts of Piraeus around, uh, but I, I don't really know the exact name. But if you were to look up the area that's below Cavo Doro um, Hotel, Cavo Doro Hotel is a very special, old, meaningful hotel that has history with uh, their civil war and stuff like that. Um, and so there's some areas around over there that are very nice. You should also um, go to the Gastown area. When you walk from the Monasteraki area, Thession, over to Gastown area, there's a whole bunch of graffiti that is just so art artistic. In Athens. In Athens. Okay. That um, you get to see what the inner city is like. Um, you know, those special inner city parts that we have in North America? Yeah. They have them here, too. <laughs> sure. And um, you don't want to spend much time in certain areas, but to see that sometimes we're all not so different. Where should I get, what area should I get my hotel? Well, any time that you're down by Ermoo Street and Placa, Thysion, um, then you're right down below the Acropolis. So I would stay in Thysion, um, Athenas Street, Ermu area, which then covers all the way from Syntagma, Syntagma, Placa, Monasteraki, Thysion, and plus the other side where the new museum is. That's great. Well, aside from the, uh, of course, Euros, Sivlaki, and uh, the fish and the seafood here, what's the one thing I have to eat? I can't leave Greece without eating. You should really try this uh, special souvlaki that they do that has a tomato sauce and a yogurt sauce on top of it. Hmm. And when you put those two sauces together on top of, like, um, kebab, um, it's not like a North American kebab. It's like um, they grind all these kinds of meats together and make it into a kebab. And they put these two sauces on there, and the mixture together is extraordinary. You know, what is it called that I can, you know what it's called? Sometimes it's called yogurtu. <laughs> I don't know how to say it so perfectly. It's like a yogurt, yogurtu, smirna, kebab. I've also been eating my weight in gelato here, so oh, I got yeah. that going for me. Yeah, gelato. <laughs> you know, the other things that really a person should eat is lamb. Yeah. Lamb in Greece, to me, is extraordinary, especially the roasted lamb that's cooked for many, many hours. You can't, you can't beat it. The French fries are extraordinary here because they're cooked in olive oil. Mm. When you're at home, you cook your French fries in olive oil, you will love them. Yeah? That's the secret. Will they go with poutine, you being Canadian? <laughs> I wouldn't do that. No. No, no, I wouldn't do that. So, so Just the olive oil and a little bit of salt and maybe a little bit of the Greek oregano on french fries. Oh, that sounds good. Delicious. You're getting me hungry. I haven't eaten dinner yet. <laughs> okay, well, finally, um, this is where you get in your plugs and everything else. Tell people where they can find the hotel and your websites and everything else. Well, um, lasolini.com. Spell that for us. L-A-S-E-L-I-N-I. Like Nancy, I, yeah. 
um, dot com. com. Okay. Um, what's cool about where I am is I'm 430 meters from the ferry port, still in the main center of Parikya. And down yeah, you can by, walk through a bunch of stuff here. I have tavernas around me, shops, and the beach is 50 meters away. And you can rent everything here, the scooters, cars, bikes, everything. So it's really central here. And whatever you can't find on your own, I'm here to help you find anything <laughs> you want. Because that's what I love. I'm all about service, and I'm all about hospitality. And I think my reviews say that. And you uh, provide wine, which is a, yeah. a nice thing. Yeah, I give free wine so that they can enjoy the on the balcony or in the garden. Coffee in the morning. The wine in uh, Greece is really great. Yeah, Greek wine is really awesome. You can drink a lot of it and still feel really good. <laughs> uh, okay, well, finally, what do you think your experiences here and traveling as much as you have and, and just living in different cultures, what do you think it's taught you as a person and how is it? changed you and maybe changed how you look at the world and other people? First of all, I think it's really humbling to realize that no matter what we think we know, you never know everything. And then the other thing is I've learned to have compassion for cultural differences. You know, um, while we may think some cultures are better than others, each culture has its cultural challenges. And um, history, that history has made each culture what it is. And um, it's not even that you uh, don't like those cultures. It's just that you just never thought about them. You took them, you just never thought about the differences. And now I think about those differences. And I'm educated about those differences. And um, I've become a lot more understanding of the differences in people. So I can go home and, and deal with the challenges from my own families. You know, I can deal with the challenges from my own um, daughter um, that she presents me with. And, and maybe she's in a different culture than me. <laughs> Right, right. And uh, again, even like husbands and uh, girlfriends and mothers and all of it, we're all in different kinds of cultures. Do you ever start to think that you know, maybe the longer you stay here, you're becoming more Greek and less North American? <laughs> I mean, is it, is it sliding a little bit or <laughs> did, is it kind of the same? Yeah, I do think that I'm becoming... Um, you still split your time. Yes, I still split my time. But I really, really enjoy the Greek culture. I think what I would say is that I'm now actually getting what it would mean to be a world citizen. I'm actually probably, and it moves me to tears, to start to acknowledge that I'm not just a little uh, country bumpkin from <laughs> a country called the United States or Canada, from a little town, you know, in Texas. I'm actually a world citizen running an international business. Um, and it's very humbling because um, you realize that you're just not, um, 
you're just not as small as sometimes you feel. <laughs> and, um, but the world is still very small. And we're really all the same, and we all want to do the same things. And that is learn to live life to the biggest, most uh, educational kind of experience we can have. And whether you're having a drink in the Mediterranean or whether you're having that drink in the Texas sunset, it's about life. Well, I'm going to drink a complimentary wine to that. <laughs> thank you, Luann. This has been great. And thank you for your hospitality and uh, helping me out with uh, finding other places to stay and transportation and everything else. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to really bring a whole conversation together about my journey and i really really appreciate that well now people around the world can hear it and you can direct them to our website which is of course traveltalespodcast.com uh thank you luann thank you Uh, how do you say uh goodbye in greek well yasas 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 and kalo texidi which means have a good trip oh well thank you very much and what's cheers uh yamas 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 cheers cheers April, come she will When streams are ripe and swelled with rain